We got struck by lightning. But it's all right, ain't it? This morning we're going to be in Acts 26, verses 24 through 29. We're not going to be there too long, and we hadn't got there in the adult class, but probably you in downstairs have gotten to this lesson uh, talking about Paul when he's uh, before Festus and uh, Agrippa and Bernice, and he makes his defense to them again. But this morning, I, I first want to say that, you know, this weekend we celebrate the uh, Memorial Day for those who have fought and, and fallen for our country. And, and for any of you that have family members that have done that, I say uh, thank you for your family member's service. And, and actually, I'd like to also thank those who have served uh, in uh, the Army or whatever, uh, Navy, Marines, whatever, for your service and for your willingness to go and fight in foreign soils for our freedom. And I appreciate being a part of a country that is free. Amen? I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of a country where we don't have to worry about being persecuted. And I appreciate those who have fought for that freedom. I always think of the Lee Greenwood song, and it makes me excited when I hear it, you know, proudly stand up, right, next to you. But this morning I want to... Uh, kind of talk about a word. And you see the, the title of my lesson is almost. I want to talk about this word almost. Uh, you know the word means not quite. Or very nearly. Or just about. Or not far from. Almost is a word that, that gives us the understanding of missed opportunities. Or blown chances or unreached goals, or something that has slipped through the fingers. He almost got it together. He almost made it to the NFL. I caught a big, big bass, and Carrie knows what I'm talking about. It was bigger than my arm. Well, almost, it got off. We even sometimes use this word to make our failures look like victories. Almost telling the truth is still lying. To almost do right is still wrong. To almost win is to still lose, ain't it? I almost won, well, you lost. We think about the word almost, we have no other choice but come to the conclusion that almost isn't enough. It just doesn't have enough power in it, does it? You think about this golf ball right here. If you've ever golfed, if you're putting on the green and the ball falls right there, it's a terrible situation because you almost made it, didn't you? You almost got it in. I've seen the golfers, and if you love golf, I'm sorry, but if I want to take a nap, then I'll probably flip it on golf, and I'll be asleep quick. But I've seen them golfers put it in and then they lean for it to go in and then it stops right there. You know, it's like, oh man, almost isn't enough. Almost doesn't get you there. Think about this thought. I almost had enough credits to graduate school. 
even in a good manner, even used in a positive way, guess what? It comes back to the same reality. Almost still means not yet. It's not enough. It doesn't have enough power in the Word. You know, that sounds bad, but that's the truth. And here we find Agrippa using this word. And I don't want to stay here too long, but I want us to just think about this as kind of our launching pad into the lesson. Look with me in verse 24. Paul is making his defense and Festus hears him make this defense. Let me actually back up just a little bit to verse 22. Paul says, Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the, to the Jews to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driven you mad. You crazy, man. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me might today, might become, hear me today, might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When we think about what King Agrippa says to Paul, Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Paul was truly converted. And he understood that the only way to heaven was through Jesus. Paul's reaction is, I don't want to just persuade you. I want you to become just like me. And not only you, but anybody in here that hears me. I want you to become a child of God. But there are many who are like King Agrippa. in the fact that they say, I'm almost ready to become a Christian. Almost. I want us to consider four things quickly about why they wait. And boy, I got a great application for us too, brethren, that goes right along with these four points. But why do people wait? Why do people use the word almost? I'm almost persuaded to become a Christian, but God won't forgive what I've done. You ever heard that? God won't forgive the things that I've done. God won't forgive uh, what, what I've done in my life. It's too bad. But brethren, that's just not the case, is it? Friend, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, listen to me. God will forgive you. Turn with me to this scripture real quick. Matthew chapter 9. 
Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. Be encouraged by these scriptures today. And brethren, if you're talking to people and they bring this up, use this. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, here's what the Bible says. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What kind of teacher is he? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I came to seek and save that which was lost. I don't care what you've done. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners, the ones who've messed up, the ones who've done something wrong. Have you ever done something wrong in your life? Have you ever sinned? Well, guess what? Jesus came for you. Amen? I don't care how bad it was. Jesus wants everyone to realize that we all sin and we can only be forgiven and He freely gives it by His blood. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sin according to His riches of His grace. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is such a powerful verse. Brethren, use this verse when you talk to people who struggle with the, the understanding that they can be forgiven. Listen to what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You don't stop short. You go all the way in the hole. You're a new creation because the old things have passed away and behold the new things have come. Amen? All things have become new. No matter what we do, no matter what we've done, in Christ Jesus, we are made brand new. White as snow. But having an almost mind frame keeps us from the love of Jesus. Now consider this second one. I'm almost persuaded to become a Christian, but I'm having too much fun. You ever heard that? But boy, I'm sad to say that isn't just for people trying to obey the gospel. That's for us too, brethren, ain't it? I would do what I need to do to be loyal to the king, but I'm having too much fun. You know, those uh, brethren who've tasted the kindness of the Father and then have never grown spiritually and are once again entangled in the mess of the world, the false illusion 
that everything is good, falling back in, into the things that they escape, those pleasures and those desires that the world has to offer. And I'll tell you right now, the world has some pretty cool stuff to offer if I'm not careful, amen? Fun stuff, right? When the mind frame becomes, yeah, I hear you, Matt, I hear you, <laughs> and yeah, I know what you're talking about, but right now I'm just having too much fun. You almost got me to feel guilty. Almost. Almost got me. But not quite. The devil tries his best to paint a picture that being a Christian means no fun. Strictly obeying a bunch of rules that make your life boring. But here's the truth. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. And, and many of us know this verse. But continuing uh, down through the verse uh, into verse 28 is great. <laughs> There's so much meat in just that part. Verse 28. Verse 27 tells us this. You can have all the, all the fun in the world. You can do all the things that you want. But guess what? It is appointed for men to die once. And when you die, it's over. And then guess what happens? The judgment comes. But look at verse 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for Him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. While the things of the world may seem fun right now, the reality is they will come to an end and we don't know when that will be. But as a child of God, we know that when we do die or when the Lord returns, we will be with Him forever. What a blessing to be surrounded by people that understand that, right? Other brethren that understand that concept that are around me, what will that allow me to do in my life? It will encourage me to do the right thing. But when I'm not there, when I'm not a part of that family, guess what I do? I begin to get sucked back into the world. Sucked right back in it. And then those things that I thought, you know, I don't need to be a part of that. I don't need to be doing that. I find myself working my way back into it and dropping my standards. I've never had so much fun in my life than what I'm doing right now. Being with people like y'all all the time. And I mean that. I ain't making that up. I could go do a number of things, but it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. We talked about this in the youth Bible study yesterday, probably one of the best Bible studies I've been a part of in a long time. And I'll just be honest with you. We had almost 40 people there. And this is what we studied. James chapter 2 and verse 8 really stuck out to me. It said, if you really fulfill the royal law, if you want to really fulfill the royal law, brethren, here's how you do it. And not only fulfill it, but you fulfill it according to the Scripture. This is straight up Bible. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
you do well. That's fun. Being a part of somebody else's life. To see somebody else encouraged. To see somebody else growing. To see somebody else wanting to do the right thing. To see somebody else's life turning around. And it could be your next door neighbor. It could be your friend at work. It could be whoever you want it to be. But if you're here, friend, and you haven't obeyed the gospel today, listen to me. The fun will come to an end. And you'll have to stand in front of a God who loves you so much, and he'll say, I don't know you, depart from me. What a terrible thing to have said to you, amen? About somebody who loves you so much, breaking his heart. Think about the third thing. I'm almost persuaded to become a Christian, but it will cost too much. Some will say, I want to become a Christian, but if I do it, I'm going to lose all my friends. Or I'm going to have to totally change my lifestyle. I know what I need to do, but it'll cost me to change everything about who I am. Familiar with the rich young ruler? This rich young ruler comes up to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. Turn there with me real quick. In verse 16 it says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what thing uh, shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he says, which ones? And Jesus gives him a list. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. The young man says, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And look at what verse 22 says. But when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He had great possessions. He went away sad. There is a lot of people that get stuck here and brethren also. But here is the truth. Here's what we don't uh, take into consideration. Jesus goes on in verse 23. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples said then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. If I lost all my friends for turning to Jesus, were they my friends anyway? Don't we think that the Lord would give us something better 
some better friends that would love us. I mean, I could come to any one of you right now and say, I need $500. Can you help me? Can you? I can't help you. If you come to me and ask me for $500, i am going to say, well, I ain't got it. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to work out a deal, right? I'm going to start calling some people. But I'm going to try and help you out if you need it, amen? And every single one of you, I would hope, would do the same for me. You would try to help me figure it out. I need this money. I need it. This is why. It's going to help me with my family or whatever the situation is. When the Lord asks us to give everything, friend, if you're here today and you're worrying about losing, uh, having to change your life or, 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 or things, you don't know if you can give Him your all. Listen to me. What we think can't happen with God, what we think is impossible, God exceeds it. God takes it way past any level that you think. I'm just still amazed. I'm still amazed and I'll never forget this. And it makes me emotional to think about it, but I've grown past it so I'm not going to get emotional. But I cannot believe that I stand before you. But here I am. Here I am. I say amen to that. Every time I think about it. And so many of you in here, brethren, can say the same thing. Friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, He'll change your life. I promise you, if you dedicate it to Him. I promise you. The fourth thing. I'm almost persuaded to become a Christian, but I got plenty of time. (laughs) I got plenty of time. I'm going to do what I want to do, and then I'll do Jesus later on. I got time. What a trick by Satan, amen? You know, we may live to be a hundred. I hope I can live as long as Mr. Parker, man. I'm like, this guy's a machine. (laughs) Brother Jack, I mean, we got machines in here, y'all. Dedicated machines. Examples, just like James said. But you know what? We may not make it another minute. James 4 says what? Our life is but a vapor. It's here for a little while and then it vanishes away. But the world will have you to believe that you're going to live forever. It gives you that false illusion. Or even the thought, you know what? Uh, You need to uh, live your life to the fullest. Do what you want, right? Do what you feel makes you happy, and then when you get done, maybe you can turn back to the Lord, right? Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I know it's a lot to read, but I'll read it really quick, I promise, and then we about done. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves know perfectly. Listen to me, friend, if you're not a child of God, I want you to hear this. And brethren, this is what we should be about and understand. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. You don't know when he's coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? 
to go be with the Savior of the world. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, Friend, listen to me. God did not appoint you to wrath. Brethren, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Don't wait. You don't have plenty of time. The time is now. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. As we close this morning, we've talked about some things that go through people's mind as they hear the truth or maybe coming to the understanding of the truth and stand at that decision to obey or not. If you're here and you're not a Christian, don't let almost be your comment. Don't let almost be on your mouth. Don't let Satan keep you from enjoying a relationship with the Lord. Obey the gospel today. Believe in who he is. Believe what he did. Repent. Confess his name. Saying, yes, I believe that he's the son of God. And being baptized in water for the remission of your sins. But maybe you're here this morning and you're a Christian. But somehow this almost mind frame has gotten in your head. I almost read my Bible this week. I almost said my prayers like I should have. I almost didn't lie. I almost, ta- I almost talked to my friend about Jesus. Almost. Look at that ball right there. Almost don't get it there. Almost don't get you where you need to be. Do it. Huh? Just do it. We can't let Satan make us fall into a trap of saying almost. You want to know why, brethren? Because 1 Peter 2, 9 says this. We are a chosen generation. When you obeyed the gospel, you became a part of a chosen generation. And not only a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. And guess what we got to do? Proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Amen? Brethren, if you're a child of God, you were called out of darkness and now you're in a marvelous light. (laughs) The light of Jesus, man. The light of the world. I want to close with this comment. Almost isn't enough. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need to repent, if you need prayers, whatever you need, come right now together we stand and sing.